Paul Brennan, PJ Professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We will talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can find us on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Lunar, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So we had golf on TV this weekend, live golf. We're coming out of the spiral. Everything's returning to normal. Eh, the new normal anyway. But we got to see the big boys on TV, Ricky, Wolf, DJ, Rory, hitting some shots, making lots of birdies. Um, and we're really going to dive in that today. Um, I'm really going to start off with just kind of going over the tournament and the match itself. Great deal, uh, over $5 million raised to help. Uh, I know Rory and Dustin were playing for the CDC. Uh, Ricky and Matt Wolf were playing for the Nurses Foundation. So again, both great charities during this time. So let's talk about some golf. So overall, Rory and Dustin win the event. Now I'm going to do some breakdowns to kind of explain what happened and, and how it proceeded. But they set the stipulations up front that there was a time limit. If it was a uh, 5.45 before 5.45 when they completed the 18th hole, then they would go back and play the 17th as a playoff. If it was after 5.45 when they finished, 17 would be a closest to the pin, all for TV and ratings. And the 17th was at 1.25, and we'll really set that up later. Um... So when we dive into the match, it was a skins format event. So low score takes the whole two tie all tie for the team um, type situation. So if two guys birdie on the same team, they still won the hole. But then you'd go into the skins match uh, for that. Seventeen holes, uh, four ball skins match. Seventeen holes, uh, carryovers if tied. Eighteen occurs if a playoff is tied, and all money goes to the relief efforts. Um, holes one through six were going to be worth fifty thousand. Seven through sixteen were a hundred thousand. Seventeen was two hundred thousand. Eighteen was five hundred thousand. Uh, there was a birdie bonus for fifty thousand per an eagle bonus of a hundred thousand. A double eagle or ace of one hundred fifty thousand. And then TaylorMade had two long drives set up on holes two and fourteen. So jumping out on the first hole, four hundred five yards. Um, everybody pars, you know, straight out the gate, guys, good, warmed up, ready to go. Jumping up on number two, 480, um, Rory, Ricky, Matt, all make par, Dustin made a bogey on the hole, moving to the 555 yard par three, so now we got three, two carryovers going in, so this hole's worth three skins, $150,000, Rory, Ricky, make par, Matt makes Bogey and Dustin makes the first birdie of the day, winning them three skins. They're ready to next hole, 495. Ricky answers, making his birdie. So now down three skins to one skin. Uh, the next hole, 205 yard par three. Rory and Dustin both make three, winning the hole. Um, so their team is able to win the skin. 
Uh, following it up on the 6th with 390, Rory follows that one up with a birdie there, winning the skin. Moving on to number 7, 430 yards, uh, Ricky and Rory both make their birdies there. Going on to number 8, uh, 225 yards, uh, Wolf, Dustin, uh, Rory all make pars there. Going on to the ninth, par 5, four, 545 yards, now this hole's worth $300,000. Rory and Dustin make par. Both Ricky and Matt make their birdies. So, keeping up with the score totals at that point, Rory's two under on the front, Dustin's even, Ricky's one under, Matt Wolf is one under. So, a collection of birdies, but again, the brother-in-law aspect of if your partner's out of the hole, making the birdie and surviving. Moving on to the 10th, 425 yards. Um, they had a double max, so Rory picked up on this hole for the double. And then Ricky, Dustin, and Matt all tied at fours. Carrying over to the 11th, making this worth $200,000. Rory makes his four. Dustin repays the favor, puts his ball in his pocket. Ricky comes in with the birdie to make his third birdie um, through the first 10 holes, or the first 11 holes there. Um, and Wolf makes his par. Moving on to number 12, 370 yards. Uh, Rory, Dustin, Matt all make par. Ricky goes back-to-back -back birdies, getting the skin. On number 13, 170. Uh, Dustin makes bogey. Everybody else ties at par. Going on to 14, which is now worth $200,000. Everybody makes four. Um, on the 510-yard par five. Number 15, 555 yards, now worth 300,000. Um, Dustin's in his pocket, but Rory, Ricky, Matt all make their pars. Moving on to 16, 410 yards, $400,000 on the line, and Rory and Ricky and Matt all make birdie. So birdies galore. Moving into the 17th, now throwing an additional $200,000 on there, so it's worth $600,000. 185 yard on number 17, all pars. Everybody getting it done, making three, goes to the playout, goes to the final hole worth $1.1 million. A basic winner's check on the PGA Tour for the skin on the 18th at 445 yards, and everybody makes par. So now going to the playoff format, it was after 545, time had run late, it taken a little bit longer, so the 17th hole was played at 125 yards of the playoff. So before we get to the playoff, let's talk about what we just heard. So Rory McIlroy goes out and shoots two under the front, even, for on, the, even on the back, two under for the day with four birdies. Dustin Johnson, even par on the front, a couple pickups on the back, four over, counting those with two birdies on the day. Ricky, superstar, one under on the front, four under on the back, five under with seven birdies on the day. Matt Wolf, the young guy, the youngster, the rookie, if you will, coming into the mix. One over on the front, great closing nine, uh, two under with three birdies on the day. So, again, guys are throwing up birdies left and right. Sixteen birdies made out of this foursome for the competition. So now, $1.1 million on the line. They go to the 17th. They'd moved the tees up from the 185 yards. Now it's playing 125 yards. Closest to the pin wins it all. Wolf steps up, hits it, 18 feet, 2 inches. Ricky, DJ, not inside Wolf's. Rory steps up, hits it, 13 feet, 
wins the day, cleans the house. They wind up winning 11 skins for the day versus Ricky and Matt, 7. 1.8 versus 1.1 million. So again, amazing results there. But let's talk about that for a second. 13 feet really doesn't sound like, I mean, Torque Plurros on the tee, windy conditions, Seminole, tough golf course. But pretty much everybody listening thinks from 125, they can hit it 13 feet. So I went ahead and broke that down for us. So in 2019, Rory, in 84 attempts between 100 and 125 yards. Now, this stat is from the fairway, so it's not quite the same, but you got to think on a par three, you got a better lie you do from the fairway because you're able to touch it and get it teed up the way you want, but still, we'll just call it evenly. He averaged 18 feet, 9 inches, so he actually hit above average shot. Wolf hit it 18-2. Now, I didn't have enough stats from Wolf from 2019, his rookie season, to be posted, so I jumped up and I'll go over his 2020 season here in a second. But let's switch over to DJ. 2019, 66 attempts. DJ over averaged 21 feet, 6 inches. Ricky, 88 attempts from that distance, averaged 19 feet, 1 inches. So again, 13 feet was an amazing shot based on the standards and the averages that these guys are doing from you know, 50, 60 attempts or 80 attempts a year. Now, 2020 has been a shorter season, so we don't have many attempts. But from 14 attempts, Rory's averaging 18 feet from this distance. So... Nine inches improvement uh, over the course of a year, but a lot less attempts. This year for Dustin, he's averaging 28 feet, 2 inches, and 23 attempts. So again, hadn't found his groove from that distance yet. And again, that's the big work he put in in 2017, or from 2016 to 2017, was on his wedge play to get his to get him that first major, that U.S. Open. Ricky, this year, 37 attempts, averaging 25 feet, 10 inches. And Wolf, out of 32 attempts, averaging 21 feet, 4 inches. So again, all in all, these four players are going to average right around 20 feet. If you take the 18, the 28, the 25, and 21 and divide it by four, you're you know, you're going to come out 20, 22 feet, somewhere in that vicinity. So these guys from 100 to 125 yards are averaging 20 feet. Again, most people listening um, hear that number and think, oh, I could do better than that. Again, the, the stats, maybe you're better than a Tour Pro from 100 to 125, and that's the case. Let's talk about why, why you're putting or you're driving or something's hurting you. But we see the highlights, and I talk about this to my students a lot. All we see on the Golf Channel are highlights. It's rare we see a bad shot. There's only a few names out there that get to see every show. So when there are only four people in the field this week, we were able to see every shot. And again, we talked about uh, a couple of doubles, a couple of pickups. Guys were out of the hole in a birdie game, and so they just got out of the way and moved on. Um, and, you know, healthy definitely helps speed up play, so definitely something to look at on the weekends. If you're putting for a seven and your buddy's putting at a four, chances are your seven's not any good if it's a little skins match. So let's go back to the long drive for a second. So, Matt Wolf actually runs the table on this one. He wins on two. He wins on 14. Um, his tee shot on two was 356 yards. His tee shot on 14 was 368. Now, again, it's a best of. Uh, when you look at the PGA Tour stats, and it's a misleading stat. Uh, most people don't realize it. But those stats are only taken. They pick two drives in opposite directions that players will be hitting driver on. The reason they go opposite directions is if one's win-aided, the other one's going to be 
hurt or affected by the wind. So player that goes through and plays 76 uh, rounds, he's going to have two uh, drives per round. So there's only going to be 140-something, 150-something drives for the whole year, but yet they're going to give you the average of that even though he played 76 rounds hitting 14 drivers. So, you know, do the math. There's a lot more shots there. But going back to this year again, because Wolf was not in, uh, even though he won last year in 2019, he didn't have enough rounds to be included in the stats. But the long driver in the group is Roy, um, averaging 320 uh, in 2020 um, for number two on the tour, then dropping down to Dustin Johnson, averaging 308 at number at 28th uh, in driving distance. The shortest guy in the group would be Ricky, averaging 293, which is actually 150th on tour. So again, it's even though Ricky's hitting it close to 300 yards, almost everybody on tour with this average stat number is hitting it that far. So again, like it's a misleading number. Um, and Matt Wolf is averaging 310 this year, which is 21st on tour. So you have three guys in the top 30 in driving distance. Um, Ricky being the shorter, though, seven birdies, ran the house. Rory was next to him with four. So, again, it, it's not all about the tee shot. Matt Wolf makes three birdies, shoots one under, finishes third in the individual side of it, um, if there was one, uh, but wins two drives and, and, and makes his birdies count when they're important. And it's just, it, it, it was a fun, emotional day for all the charities that they were giving back to. And several times the guys chimed in and talked to people from their foundations. Um, we had uh, Bill Morey came on and actually gave us some comic relief uh, during the event. And it was it was a lot of fun to see and something different for golf, reaching out and touching. And I know that kind of leads to everybody knowing what's next week, the match. Tiger, Phil, Brady, Manning. Let's see how we can get this one done. But before I jump into Tiger and Phil and, and those guys, let's just go back to this again. So when we looked at this, we, we saw some amazing golf. We, we, we've got guys shooting, you know, Dustin with two pickups. If, if he was to par those holes, he, he shoots even par. Um, two birdies, so a little rusty from him. You definitely saw him hit some really good shots early on, just didn't get the putter in. Um, and the green reading was a, a little bit of a struggle for those guys, and, and the commentators talked about it a lot now. Seminole's a, a tricky golf course from what I've heard, and I talked to a buddy of mine who's actually caddied and played there, and he, he was very excited to watch it on TV. And the guys were toting their own bags. Uh, caddies weren't there for safety reasons, social distancing, um, limited cameras, course was closed for this. But again, you're seeing some of the best players in the world coming out of this rust and still playing pretty good, making some shots, making some putts. Uh, and but just looking at the stats, and I talk about this so much as far as course management, when these guys are averaging 20-something feet from 100 to 125 yards, they're not shooting at every flag either. If that flag is only a few steps on the left or the right, they're aiming mill the green. So could this number be lower if they shot at every pin? Possibly, but at the same time, when they missed a green, it took a bad bounce and went out of bounds, they would cost themselves strokes. And in their game, strokes is money. Um, but again, congratulations to Rory and DJ. Great job out there. Matt Wolf making a presence with the driver. Ricky lighting it up with some birdies. I know they were talking about comeback kid there for a little while when he started rolling them in. But 
an amazing, amazing competition for the PGA to put on. Um, again, TaylorMade sponsoring it. All the fans calling in and, and donating pledges and stuff and like that and helping raise over $5 million for this tragic time that we're going through. So now let's switch gears back to the match just a little bit. So we've got it coming up this weekend. Um, there's going to be more than $10 million on the line, um, plus competitive challenges on the course. You've got direct relief, American Red Cross, small business, uh, and all-in uh, all challenge are, are going to be the four main charities that the guys are, are, are pledging their money to. So the match will be a nine-hole four-ball, um, best ball, and the following nine will be alternate shot. Um, and so it's going to be a lot of fun seeing what the NFL guys do off the tee and, and what they leave the pros and what the pros do off the tee and leave the NFL guys. So it should be really, really fun to watch this weekend. So I can't wait over the holiday Memorial weekend um, to give back, to see what's going on and really enjoy ourselves. So enough about the pros. Let's start talking about you. So had some questions come in over the last couple of weeks um, through Instagram, through Twitter, as I've been covering a lot of how to work on your game topics and what, who you need to talk to about fitting and how you even uh, select a coach. But Don came one in, and, and since we were talking about long drives here just a second ago, Don wants to know about, you see ball speed on the TV over the weekend. So the guys would hit a shot on track, man, and a ball speed would flash. And he's asking, what's the difference between ball speed and club speed? So, Don, what happens is on several tees throughout the PGA Tour, especially like a competition this weekend, they had a TrackMan um, launch monitor set up on a lot of tee boxes, and you receive flight tracer and a lot of things. So what the ball speed is is the actual speed the ball travels off the club. And so it's just it, when you swing a driver and you hit it solid, it's going to travel faster than a 7-iron. Uh, and, and then the club head speed number is just the force in which the club is being delivered, the speed at which the club is coming into it. So when we talk about ball speed, so uh, not enough tournaments for 2020 for them to rank all the numbers uh, and punch everything in. But if we go back to 2019, Cameron Champ led the ball speed category at 190.7. Um, Seth Reeves was second at that number at, or on that list at 183.5, so about seven miles an hour slower. Peter Uline at 183.1, Trey Milanex at 182.97, and Ollie Snyderjam at 182.3. So those are your top five in ball speed from 2019, and those are just guys that are hitting it hard and hitting it a long way. Now, Going over to the club head speed side, so you can swing really, really fast, and that's what a lot of people tend to do is overswing, and they don't hit the ball solid. So just because you swing faster is not guaranteed you're going to hit it further. If you're able to hit in the middle of the club face, you will see an increase, but if you hit it toe or heel, you won't see that. And so if we jump over, uh, so using Cameron Champ, um, he was at 128.01 club head speed on average last year. Um, Seth Reeves, who was second on ball speed, was at 122.73. Now, Peter Uline, who was slightly slower than Seth at, at 183.1, uh, and ball speed was 123.39. So he's swinging about half a mile an hour faster than Seth, but Seth's hitting the center of the face a little bit more often and hitting it about half a mile an hour faster on ball speed. 
Uh, Trey Millinex was a 182.97. He had a 122.02. And then Ollie was coming in at a 122 as well. So you've got four guys here that are all in that high 122, low 123 range. And their ball speeds were all within a mile an hour of each other. And then the guy that was six miles an hour faster in clubhead speed was seven miles an hour in ball speed. So on solid contact, the ball speed really tells us what's going on. Now that number is calculated as the smash factor or the power transfer ratio, however's software spitting that number. And it's just basically an efficiency number. So, Don, if your clubhead speed was 100 miles an hour for, say, and your ball speed was 150, then you would have a 1.50. The very next swing and your clubhead speed was 100 and your ball speed was 142, you'd have a 1.42. So you didn't hit it as solid for some reason, either high on the face, low on the face, toe, heel. And again, we can always look at those things on the, on the monitors and figure it out. But so now when we jump down to the most efficient guys, uh, and these guys all came in at that high level 1.5, which is kind of deemed to be ideal, uh, in ball speed, but you've got players like Patrick Cantley, Adam Hadwin, Bronson Bergon, Louis Uthes, and, and Kelly Kraft leading the smash factor category. So they're more efficient. Again, they're able to hit it in the middle of the club, maybe because they're not swinging as fast and they can control it a little bit better. Um, but those, it's not about how fast you swing, it's how solid you hit it. And so that efficiency of 1.5 is way more producing uh, capable of producing consistent shots so that's why your longer hitters tend to hit it further offline because when they do miss hit it the ball travels so don i kind of hope that helps a little bit um and the ball speed club head speed thing goes through the whole bag so when you're hitting a seven iron your seven iron will have a higher ball speed than club head speed and just because of the length and weight of an iron the efficiency rating or, or smash factor does become lower because not as much energy can transfer over but again i hope that helps make those numbers make more sense hopefully we'll see a lot of them this weekend with tiger and phil and, and brady and, and manning and we'll kind of see what those guys can put up some numbers ball speed um and, and look at some distances off driving and maybe they hit some iron shots as well i love seeing when the irons uh, show peak height and you start to see that these guys are all hitting at about 100 feet in the air so over 30 yards height as that ball starts to drop in but watch the match this weekend let's see if we can see some ball speed numbers and we'll talk about them next week if y'all want to so the next one comes in for sid and sid was asking about last week when i was talking about or two weeks ago when i was talking about terminology that we assume everybody understands in golf and and might not and, and sid's question kind of was two-part and he says you know you hear a lot of talk about mallet uh putters and, and then you hear the commentators talk about blade and he asked what are they talking about and, and so what a, a blade putter is now the term blade goes back to what the original putters used to look like and that's when they were a butter knife or a very small um piece of steel on the end of a stick and and they looked like a blade of a knife is kind of where that terminology came from and the original wilson 8802 and you can kind of look this up and see what it looks like um and um a lot of other companies made that same style of putter and and nicholas and palmer and those guys started off with those i think palmer actually put it with an 8813 but again very comparable design and as people started to evolve in the game um different putters started to surface and obviously everybody 
or I hope everybody's familiar with uh, Ping Putters, but Carson Solheim started that company, um, and he tried to make a putter that was a little bit easier to hit, um, and he started tinkering and playing with things with the original A1 blade, and then learning into the answer, which is probably the most produced style of putter currently, um, at least over the last 50 years for sure, but it's just a, it's a thicker piece of metal than the originals, it has a little bit of notching and moving around the back but that became the new blade because it was still it was a small blade style putter um scotty cameron does this in the newport and again like i said every manufacturer makes something along those lines and then as this started people wanted they realized that hey if i made the putter a little bit bigger it could be it could help me a little bit more i wouldn't miss hit it as much i wouldn't roll the face twist it and so they started to get bigger and bigger and so at some point somebody said it looked like a croquet mallet and that's where this term stick um or sticks and it, it's just a mallet is a larger surface uh one of the more commonly is the odyssey two ball uh you see a lot of the tailor-made spider um as well dustin johnson's putting with one of those currently uh, Jason Day rotates one in and out of the bag as well. But the mallet putters are designed to be larger. They have a higher resistance to twisting, or MOI, as the term is actually measured, um, moment of inertia. And they just allow you, if you hit it, if you're not able to produce a consistent stroke and hit the center of the putter face every time, a mallet putter will give you a very similar speed on a miss hit. They've been able to move the weight around, stretch the weight back, and make it larger. So, Sid, I hope that helps understand the difference between mount and blade. Now, his question becomes, which one's better for the average player? And honestly, I can't tell you that. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, you're wrong. It's a mallet. That's fine. And that's what it looks. Um, I work on putting as twofold. Um, number one, it's a science. And the science part is where I'll hook up the monitors. I'll look at the um, data is, is the putter face closing too much? Is it staying too open? What's going on with it? Um, in which one would type of neck or offset helps with that. And you can go back to some of my previous shows where I really dive into the putting side of it. Um, but the other side of it I talk about is an art. And the art of putting is you being able to visualize the line um, and the speed and the direction that you want to send it on. And certain putters might fit your eye better, even though statistically I see a putter perform better this way if you don't like the looks of it i've talked you into an ugly car um and i've always used that terminology because you're not gonna buy an ugly car you gotta like the way it looks and when it comes to putting it's the same thing we can do all the testing in the world to get you a putter but if you don't like the way it looks you're never 100 percent committed to it um so sid what i tell you to do is go to your local golf shop go to your local golf store um take your current putter in just start rolling some putts, get a feel for the green, and then test and, and rotate some more around. And again, I know there's a lot of places that are going to have the, we use the Biomech, some people use the Tommy, um, some people use Sam Putt Lab. There's a lot of really good blast motion. There's a lot of really good putting software that people can hook up a device to your putter, um, read what your putter's doing, and determine which one you're hitting in the center more consistently and help guide you down that path. So, Sid, I hope that helps you on your putting. Um, you know, you want that big croquet mount or you want that thin butter knife blade um, to look at. But at the end of the day, it's which one gets in the hole fastest. Um, and we, we saw Tiger, who putted for so long with his Newport-style head, which, again, very similar to an answer blade, 
And then all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, switched to the Tenomade Ardmore, which is a slight mallet, heel shafted. We he saw success with it. Um, started making a move. Once he got his putting stroke back where he wanted it, all of a sudden he went back to his blade style putter and he wins the Masters with it last year. So there's nothing to be said that you can't have both. I know Mickelson has had multiple types of putters over the years where he could putt with one on Thursday and a different one on Friday. Um, so couple putters is good options because maybe some are better for other greens. But, Sid, go to your local shop, roll some putts, and let's see what's going on. Well, all right, everyone. That's going to call it for me for the week. Like I said, I hope to see, uh, see lots of information. I'll be following everybody about the match this weekend. So, this is Paul Brennan, PJ Professional, Believe in Tennessee Golf, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us on Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So courses are starting to open back up. Restrictions are being lifted. Restaurants are allowing us to come out and, and sit down and have fun. So everybody get out, play golf. Keep the stories coming in. I want to hear about the great rounds. Um, I know the little course I do a lot of my playing lessons. They're currently doing these uh, pull noodles in the holes as a device so people don't have to pick up uh, the ball and come into contact. And they've had two hole-in-ones or two bump-in-ones, as we call it, where the ball's rolled up, bump the pull noodle. Um, and and we're, they're giving them credit for the hole-in-one. So get out there, have some fun with it, and see if you can add your hole-in-one total as well. Thanks so much. <laughs>